Swallows of the South is a proud member of the RPG Academy Network. Hello and welcome to Swallows of the South. I'm Quinn Wilson, storyteller. Before we get started this week, I wanted to go ahead and thank Jules Cunningham for their wonderful five-star review over on iTunes. It means a lot and helps get the word out there to new listeners about our show. Thank you. With that out of the way, let's get into Icar and Breath, Episode 4. Cleo, Philly, and Local 137, having found themselves, perhaps at the end of Cartechnologic's manipulations, and enlightened by a conversation with turncoat scientist Ashun, have decided to speak with their employer, Iomuo, and terminate their relationship. To seek work instead with Ashun and one of his contacts, Triscard. As the crew arrives at Iomuo's club, prepared to inform her that the risks of the job are not worth the compensation. How would their former employer react? Could Ashun be trusted? And what exactly was this information Triscard was sitting on? Excuse me. First thing of all, I don't know if you've looked at what I look like right now, but I look like shit because you didn't tell us what we were getting into fully. I don't think we want to do this anymore. You've assumed risks not dissimilar to this in the past. I didn't know what you were getting into because I did not know where the goods were. Unfortunately, it would be better if you were able to tell us all about your car technologics interference that was happening and people picking up stuff and that there might have been more people than we thought. I've signed up for this in the past because the people who hired me were a little uh, better equipped and better at their job about telling me what I was going to get into. You informed me that the person you encountered was working for Ashun. I informed you of the situation at that point. I gave you all the information I could have. You're a contractor. You do dangerous work. Unfortunately, I need to tell you that most of my employers have not sent me out on a suicide mission. I'm very close to death. That is a shame. See, but your one lack of was... care is uh, also another reason I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. You are fine to not want to do this anymore. We will just be taking back our proffered payment and ensuring that you do not see work with any related entities who would seek independent contractors in the future. We are going to take the money that you already gave us because you gave that to us for doing what we did already. We did work in the first place and we brought you back what we could. Also, you need to pay for collateral damages. And she spits blood on the floor. If you had read the contract that you signed when you agreed to work with us, you would find that reparations for any bodily injury would be provided upon the completion of your work. Since you seem to care so much, we won't pursue legal action in regards to the proffered 8% of the larger sum that we had agreed to pay you, but you should also consider that coverage for repairing your wounded form. It's also common courtesy and code for a contractor employer that if they are to send a contractor out on a mission for which they know might involve greater risks than what we had signed up for, they are obligated to tell us and send backup. Clearly, your expectations do not align with those of Cotechnologics. I assumed by the fact that you wear those weapons at your side that you were competent or prepared for a scrape. If a couple of basic street bandits are enough to incapacitate 
incapacitate you this much, Ka's not particularly interested in your work. Interesting. I accept that, and I will let you know that I will do my part as well by letting all the other independent contractors I know what they are getting into when working with you and to second-guess that. I'm also going to let everybody know what Call Technologics is about and how they choose to treat their contractors when so wounded in front of them, they choose to berate them verbally and insult them and their intelligence and their skills that they were seeked out for in the first place. Maybe you should do better uh, research in order to find people right for your job. If I'm the most qualified for this job, maybe you're not doing such a good job at research. Perfect. So go ahead and give me a coercion roll. And I'm actually going to give you two boost dice, one for that vicious dunk and another one for the fact that you spit blood at her feet earlier, proving that you are sort of more injured than you had bargained for. Mm -hmm. And you'll be rolling a purple and a red to combat that. I rolled one failure with four advantages. Okay. I will not be intimidated by a street cur. I see, however, that you are in significant physical distress. I trust that putting forth the effort to ensure that you are taken care of will be enough to ensure that you make no waves. I guess that's fine. She reaches down and pulls forward several metallic chits and slides them forward. This script should be more than enough to take care of your dire situation. Now get out of my booth. You're bloodying it up. Cleo is going to wipe some of the blood off her face so that her hand's bloody. So when she grabs the script, it leaves like blood streaks on the table just to make it a little more messy in there that she has to look at that and clean that up later. Or somebody's going to have to. You can see shock and revulsion and frustration play across her face as she then takes to a tablet and starts apparently frantically typing away at something. She is not as cool as she has been projecting. She's kind of freaking out here. Cleo winks and leaves. You see her clench her teeth so hard when you wink. Outside, I presume you all are collecting yourselves at Cleo's car. You are all in there for that exchange, but you let Cleo take the wheel. It's important that I know where you want to go next, so we should have a conversation about that. So I think now would be a good time to... My clinic. Or if the clinic I work at. I mean, we're going to have... I was going to say, uh, <laughs> get, we should get probably... yourself a little more than one hit point. <laughs> we could do two things. I would like some aid. And she says that and her eyes kind of float a little bit. Or we could look for Triscod while we're here. Or we could just go to the clinic and get you the aid and find Triscod later. But isn't Triscod here? Here? No, not, not necessarily. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, I would, yeah, I would like to do that. Yes, you appear to be in great pain. If local or I could drive, we would. Do you know how to get to the clinic from here? I mean, I could put it in the GPS. I will say certainly someone that's not Cleo should drive because she's lost a lot of blood and downed a lot of alcohol in a short amount of time. <laughs> Where's what you no, it's fine. <coughs> Local, please restrain her so I may take the wheel of the car. Oh my god, this is not happening to me. Local comes over and wraps his 
large metal arms around Cleo and gently puts her into the back and pats her on the head. There, there. It will be all right. Cleo has just had too much going on. So she kind of just sits in the middle, like not on either side behind the passenger seat, but so she can see everything that's going on. And she just pouts and has her eyes glued to whatever um, Philly is going to do with the pedal and steering wheel. So Philly loads herself in Cleo's car and Philly weaves the vines at their bottom into four legs that are relatively human-ish and their uh, vines near their armpits into four arms and kind of grabs onto the steering wheel very nervously. They adjust all of the mirrors, check the lights, turn the blinkers on and off and make sure every part of the car is working. You don't need that many arms to drive a damn car! But Cleo, if anything happens to your car, you will kill me. And then they go to the clinic. As you turn on the ignition... The radio seems to cut on. Welcome to Slamming 62.8. We're here with Elkvis and the Buttman. <laughs> giving you all your late night jams, if you know what I'm talking about. Ooga, ooga. I love this song. And that was Elkvis and the Buttman with Drive Time Radio. You're listening to AL 46.5, your number one station for entertainment in our lovely city of AO. And we cut to Philly's clinic. What does the clinic look like? Though Philly works the clinic and we call it Philly's clinic, it's not actually Philly's clinic. Okay, so the clinic looks like a brick and mortar building if brick and mortar were made out of wood and not quite mortar kind of gluey paste stuff in part made out of plant i imagine and it is really grimy like normally the wood looks like wood and it doesn't look so dry rotty like the bottom of the building looks intensely dry rotted which given how much rain ao gets that makes sense but a lot of the buildings in the neighborhood of the clinic have similar conditions for the ones made out of wood and it's obvious that people have tried to make repairs to it but that this building's foundation is just not great. Uh, The inside of the clinic, the lights don't all work in the hallways. It's kind of horror movie and some of them flick on and off. But the lights inside the actual rooms where they see patients are pretty good, with the exception of the fact that for the most part, there are large rooms where it's basically meant for a doctor to walk through and see multiple patients. There's functionally a series of waiting rooms and a few rooms in the right of the clinic that are like private rooms where someone is having a baby or like there's an amputation happening because it's a back alley clinic and it is very clean on the inside. It's just it's obvious that a lot of the people who work at the clinic are like Philly where they're like, hey, if you have it, I'll take a small amount of money. And if you don't, you know, we can get by on other things. That's awesome. As you bring Cleo back into one of these exam rooms. You don't get a private room. I'm sorry. I figured an exam room would be private. Yes, but I meant like one of the private, private rooms. Because I was thinking the exam rooms were general rooms, unless you're thinking that she's going to be naked. That's Am I fine. getting an x-ray? No. No. Okay. Okay. As you bring Cleo into this exam room to treat her wounds, what do you do? Well, from what I remember, 
And Philly starts to kind of mumble to themselves as they open up a small cabinet and dig through. They weave two of their vines together and the pink of the tattoos on their purple flesh light up and Philly is actually using their arm as a flashlight inside this under cabinet to look. Um, let me see. You are bleeding pretty bad. Local, do you remember how much alcohol Cleo drank? Too much. Oh, I guess that is fair. And Philly pulls out a bottle which it's actually a round orb-like thing, and it kind of looks like a piece of blown glass with blue pigment carrying through the bottom. And the only thing that kind of differentiates it is the fact that when Philly gives it a light shake, the inner color pigments move around in the bottle, and one of them comes out. And Philly extends it to Cleo. You'll want to take this first. Ooh, another shot. And so she just shoots it back. The fact that she is so delirious as to think that a pill is a shot means this is going to take a while. And then Philly is going to go through the basics of checking Cleo's temperature, uh, cataloging her wounds, and pulling out Cleo's good old medical chart that just shows Cleo has visited this clinic quite a few times. <laughs> so that was a painkiller that you just took, Cleo, which will immediately give you back five wound points. Hey. And Philly, I'm going to need you to make a medicine check at a normal difficulty because she is still below half her wound threshold, I believe. I have one success and three advantages. Whoa-ha-ha. Yay. What does that do for me? So you regain another hit point, and you also regain three points of strain. Josette, what does this look like as Philly does their magic to Cleo? Philly braids their vines into two large, if they were human, very meaty kind of hands that end up with spider-like fingers at the ends of them. And when they do that, the bracelets that they wear on some of their vines light up with their tattoos, and it causes their entire spider-like hand things to glow intensely as Philly basically knits the wounds Cleo has closed with this pink magic thread that dissipates once Philly cuts it and it seals up the wounds. Magic stitches, boom! Perfect. Cleo now has seven out of her 13 wounds, so she's doing better than she is doing worse for a strange turn of phrase. You have sutured her up. It is, at this point, probably getting on like two o'clock in the morning. It's been a hell of a day so far. You need to make contact with Triscod soon, but there's no guarantee that they would be awake right now anyway. Yeah, normal business hours, I think, would probably be fine. Um, I feel better, but I'm still tired. Uh, local, would you mind putting Cleo in my hammock in the employee lounge? There are a lot of patients here, which means they really need the help. Very well. Come along. And he scoops Cleo up and just carries her like a baby. She feels very comfortable. He sings a little lullaby that normally he sings to his cats. 
and rocks her and then lays her down in the hammock. She's already asleep. And as you're laying Cleo down in the rest area or the this area of the clinic, over at the desk, one of the employees here, because this is a sort of all-hours emergency clinic, a reserved-looking Dove wearing a nurse's smock looks to you and says, I just wanted to make sure you didn't want me to turn on the radio or anything. You guys good? I think that she will sleep just fine. Perfect. All right. Water's over there if you need it. Thanks. Do you have a hammer? And he sort of pokes at the wound that he has in his side where the metal has split apart. Actually, yeah, we do. You might want to talk to Philly about that. We do have room in the clinic for treating robots and other folks with mechanical limbs. So we've got some hammers back there. Let me take you back. And they lead you down through the halls where there's a series of doors holding the individual exam rooms. And then there's a larger door at the back. And inside of that is what is a hybrid between essentially an auto mechanic and your standard exam room. So there's a lot of fine instruments for actually working on hammering out dents and smoothing that sort of stuff over. But the exam table here works more like a sort of mechanical jack that can lift or drop people as needed, etc., etc. And the Dov heads over and grabs Philly. Hey, your friend also needed patching up. I know Cleo was not doing so hot, but that's hardly news, right? But your buddy looks like he got some scrapes that might have been overlooked. Oh, no. Local is very hardy. He'll be okay. Thank you. And Philly is going to head on over and take a look. So because Local has a huge gash in his chest, Philly is actually going to be using a really cool tool. And so what happens is, like usual, when they use AOTech, Philly will braid their arm around their bracelets, which will cause the bracelets and their tattoos to light up. And they're going to weave some of their threads over what looks kind of like just a sheet of metal. And they're going to slide that sheet of metal into local and it's going to fan out and mirror what should be the contour of his metal once it's reformed. And they're just going to take two hammering down the metal a lot like when you mess up your car and you get like that mallet that you have underneath the inside and then you bang onto that. <laughs> so that way your car takes the correct contour of its shape. And then once local is pretty well done up, the sheet is going to reflatten so Philly can remove it. And it's really, really thin metal. And then they are going to weld local closed. So it will be relatively pretty, minus the fact he's going to have one more scar. All right. Go ahead and make a difficulty one mechanics check because he has most of his wounds still. Oh, and I get a boost. I'm going to help you out on that. He's he's used to fixing his own dings, so. Five successes and two advantages. So that is five wounds and two strain. Does that bring you up to full? Yep, I am all better. Philly's a boss! (laughs) Local has now been fixed up and the welding is finished. The clinic at this hour is actually very quiet. Neither Philly nor Local require sleep. I imagine that some M-Guy might have periods of dormancy, but that is also more like when fish go to sleep, where 
they maintain a level of alertness and physical autonomy because there's just not the same physiological needs with the M guy and local is a straight up robot and so does not require sleep to live. It's still been a heck of a day. So how are you going to spend your time until Cleo wakes up? Well, local still needs to go back to his apartment and check in on his many many cats that he takes care of. They all have different names. So he goes in and he'll go to his apartment and just go, Yes, Fred, you are doing very good. You are a good cat. Jefferson, you are a good cat. Leslie, you are a good cat. Affirmation is very important to local. Mm -hmm. He needs them all to know individually that they are good. And as he does that and puts them down, he'll set them next to the food. As we finish out this scene in local's apartment, I want to draw specific attention to like one specifically sad element to his living situation. Like there are elements to this that are sad. The focus on affirmation is reflective of a lot but i'd like to add some sort of like touch here as we transition out of the scene the apartment itself is what's known as robot apartments and the building itself is almost like a series of sheds that have been stuck together at this point in fact to get to some of the inner rooms of the apartment complex you go through other people's apartments because they just sort of assume that as a robot it doesn't matter local actually pays more to have an outer apartment just so he has a window because he lets the cats come in and out but even then it's Barely bigger than a walk-in closet and mostly just has a cabinet space. Uh, you know, no refrigerator, no cooking utensils of any kind. It's just a living space. And that is basically what any given robot in the city would have. All right. So we cut to Philly. How is Philly spending their time until the morning? Philly goes in between repairing equipment in the metal examination room and stocking things in the non-metal examination room, as well as cleaning up and playing with Thorn. And Thorn mostly spends their time rolling around trying to get Philly's attention. And at one point in the night while Philly is tending to a damaged piece of metal equipment. Um, Thorn gives a very happy little cheep cheep and rolls into a corner where there is one of those plastic spiky children's balls that are basically kind of like rubbery and you can throw them and they bounce but also if you press on them they squeeze and Thorn gets really excited and they roll over to the ball only to realize that it's a ball and it's not another thorn and when philly sees this they sweep up thorn i'm sorry and they kind of lightly tickle i know i wish i could make you friends i just i don't remember i'm sorry thorn and thorn sort of reaches out a, a tendril and strokes philly's face a single tear runs down philly's face and is quickly reabsorbed back into their purple skin at which point the front door to the clinic slams open as a figure 
sort of staggers in. It is Fen from the Bandits. She is holding the door open with her metal arm and pointing around the clinic, looking for someone. I I need help. Someone. I've got people in my in my vehicle. They're pretty badly injured. I'm coming. Philly calls and immediately like runs out. And the way that Philly runs fast is actually that they braid their vines into spider legs and just spider scurry across the floor. Oh, um, I am still here to help you and I'm still coming and there is no hard feelings on my end and there are wounds on your end. Shut up and get to my car. This is a good idea. And they do so. She takes you back out and while Cleo sort of keeps her car in finer condition, Fen does not. It's pretty banged up. It's probably about 30 years old and in the back there is the m guy and the dov from earlier there is no sign however of the robot which no questions asked was definitely killed so yeah come on let's she opens up the door and pulls them off of the hempen cloth seats and brings them in to be seen by the clinicians as they're being settled into their examination rooms. Fen looks to Philly. Should they go in different ones or the same one? Uh, the same one will be faster. So she puts them in the same examination room. I'm not doing too great either, but deal with me after you deal with them. Um, is the, I'll fix Is there anyone friends. else on call right now? This is awkward. I'm the only one in for another two hours. I mean, if you want your friends to bleed out, that isn't fair to anyone. And Philly immediately starts going through and cataloging their wounds, checking their temperatures really quick, and determining the best way to treat them, which in this case, at this time, is to give each of them a painkiller. And Philly sighs at the bottle as the blue kind of dwindles because they are all for people getting the help that they need, but the fact that Philly and their friends are the ones who did this, are they're kind of like, <clears throat> why can't we all just talk things out, guys? I'm going to ask that right now you make a difficulty three medicine check Ooh. to work on the M-Guy and the Dov. We've established in fiction that the Dov has damage that is not ever going to get better. So this is more to see how well you can recover with the M-Guy and bring both of them to a sort of stable baseline. All those dice and all I got was a threat. The Dov isn't going to be getting better in any meaningful capacity. You've stabilized both of the patients, but the damage is done, and the M-Guy has some substantive damage, which has, in the hours since your encounter, left untreated, caused a degree of rot in some of their peripheral limbs, which means those are going to need to be amputated. But they're both going to be fine. And as you stabilize them completely and finish your work, Fen looks uncomfortably to you. So I guess now it's my turn. For the record, as your condition isn't as bad, your chances of recovering better are better. This and... She opens and closes her hand a couple of times, and you hear the painful creaking. This at least isn't getting better anytime soon. I could... But do what you can. I could do something about both. One of them will just take a few more visits, but 
Let's tend to what I can tend to immediately first. So for Fen, you are going to make a difficulty two medicine check. One advantage. So you recover her strain, and presumably you also give her a painkiller? Well, yeah. After you patch her up, give her some antibiotics to help recover some of the wounds, she looks like she's doing better. If you if you are interested in your arm getting better, I would need you to come by the clinic regularly. We have someone who can take care of that aside from myself, but they're only in around lunchtime and only in the middle of the week. If you stopped by and saw them once a week for a couple months, they would be able to stop that for you, um, or if you are able to overcome the awkwardness. I'm in the clinic almost every night, and I could probably patch you up in a week or two. Thanks. I appreciate the offer. I Her eyes are darting around. She's refusing to make direct eye contact with you, and her face is darkening with blush. I, I assume that since well, you're here that you met with a shun. We did. And I'm assuming that since you're here, that means that things went favorably. Even if they hadn't, I would be here. But yes, and we will be working with a shun. But regardless of who I work for, I am here for anyone, whether they are working with Ka Technologics, a shun, unemployed, a teacher someone trying to do good for their friends. And Philly kind of looks at the side of friend's face, knowing that she doesn't want to make eye contact, but also that Philly knows a lot of human expression is in the face, and that maybe if friend will make eye contact with them, that she will see that Philly means well and really does want to help. Damn it all. Could you not make this about how good you are you're making it hard for a girl to make some sort of inroads, uh, apologize, I guess, or make things better. Things are already better. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for patching us up. If you're working with a shun, that might mean that we see each other now and then. I would like that. Just keep me the hell away from that girl with the swords. Would you like to go into the mechanic shop? Then, and Philly kind of points their vines in a path to the mechanic shop that completely avoids the hammock area where Cleo is asleep to the point that it's even like a little bit out of the way to get there. Yeah, that's helpful. I just also mean in the future. I know, but for now, I can only deal with keeping the two of you apart at the present. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, maybe I'll take you up on that offer. And she kind of shrugs and steps out. At this time, everyone's up and meeting back up at the clinic. Wakey, wakey, Rokoro eggs and bakey, is what Philly sings to Cleo. And they actually have a Rokoro egg, which is kind of like a large coconut if coconuts were made out of rock, but like Monster Hunter rock looking shit made out of that hashtag nasty hashtag rock juice (laughs) cleo is obviously 
irritated with waking up, but she does smell food. So she wakes up and she kind of rolls over and opens one eye at a time, kind of blinking one eye at a time for a little bit until they both kind of open and close in sync. And she takes this Rokoro and holds it and pouts with it in her arms, still mad about being awake. So there's actually a straw punctured straight through it and it's got like little stripes running down it and it's just like a typical drink straw and philly says i added in some vodka the way you like it she smirks a little bit and uh still holds it close and just sips at the same time one of the nurses pops their head in and says but doc isn't that enabling (laughs) you're enabling get out of here June. <laughs> I'm sorry, June. If I don't give Cleo the vodka, she'll have a terrible hangover and will murder me. Everybody knows the answer to a hangover is more alcohol. They sort of awkwardly recoil back around the door, <laughs> pulling themselves back like a cat who had stepped into a room too far before seeing that there were people, almost <laughs> in, in exact reverse taking back the steps that they had taken in toward the room. Cleo takes a big sip and tries to find her way to the bathroom to wash off the grime and blood from her face and her hands just to make herself semi-decent. And she puts her hair into a ponytail trying to uh, come off less hungover and wounded than she is. Like she's got her shit together. Mm -hmm. Shall we go find Logal? I mean, he's got to be around here somewhere. Local is probably just on his way, or he's fixing your car. Wait, what happened with my car? Oh, you don't remember? No! You were so intoxicated, you insisted on driving us here. I did? You did. Oh my god, why did you guys let me do that? Because you threatened to murder us. Oh my! That sounds like me. Why did you let me? Why don't you stop me? You have weapons! So do you. Cleo just goes back to pouting. Just mad at herself. This is why... I don't even want to look at it. I don't even want to look at my car. Cleo, this is why you need to know your limit. You can't drink as much as you do. I know my limits. I just... I think it's different when you guys are here. Because I try to drink more to impress you guys sometimes whatever it's stupid you, you know what i don't want to see my car i'm gonna sit down <laughs> local finally ends up coming in and looks at the scene before him philly did you lie about the car philly weaves their vines together over their mouth and kind of like a person covering their mouth up while they try to stifle a laughter I don't know what you're talking about, local. How does the car look this morning? It is fine. Local, is that you? And she just kind of pops her head from the doorway and sees it's him and takes her Rococo and just stomps her way through the front door to look for her car. Philly continues after Cleo, continuing to cover their mouth and stifle their giggles. She waits for them outside of her car and yells to them, Next time, take the keys away or just, I don't care, just let me die in the street. Don't let me do this again. This was was too close. She sits in the front seat in the driver's seat and just like puts her forehead on the steering wheel. This is why lying can be good. 
while Cleo's head is on the steering wheel, she slowly rolls down the window and turns over and says, let's just go find Triscod, get in. And she finds some freaky looking sunglasses and just puts them on. You're listening to Mighty Man and the Little Guy. Ooh, mommy. (sighs) Fucking jam. Thank you so much for listening to Swallows of the South. If you'd like to get into contact with Quinn or have any questions about the show in general, feel free to email swallowsofthesouth at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Swallows of South, on Facebook at Swallows of the South, and on Tumblr at Swallows of the South. Our theme music for Icar and Breath is Vault by Jazar, and I'll see you next Tuesday.